a lot of people with ADHD tend to be quote-unquote gifted students, right? They may, they may be identified as excelling. Um, that doesn't mean they're not struggling with it. And it's a difficulty because of the outsider perspective. Oh, well, they're not having problems in school. So there's something wrong. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. This is Chelsea. And this is Olivia. And this is the CWC Talks podcast. In today's episode, we are talking with Saloni Taneja and Joanna Roberts, who are both clinicians at the CWC, and we're talking about ADHD. I know this is a topic that a lot of students, a lot of people have questions about, and um, sometimes it can be hard to know, you know, whether or not you're experiencing ADHD or something else, and um, that can be a little bit confusing sometimes. Definitely. And I think Saloni and Joanna really did a great job going over what ADHD looks like. You know, they gave lots of examples that, you know, if you've got ADHD, you'll be able to identify with a lot of what they say. And if you don't have ADHD, maybe you know somebody who does. Um, I I have family members um, who have ADHD. They've been diagnosed and they're treated for it. And a lot of what they say really rings true for them. Yeah, and um, this episode, going into it, just so you know, this will be part one of two episodes on ADHD. Um, so because there is just so much to talk, talk about on this topic. So this episode, like Olivia said, will really focus on defining ADHD and kind of a lot of the different ways that it can manifest, that it can present for different people. So everybody, welcome to the world of ADHD. Today, Chelsea and I are talking to two of our CWC clinicians, Joanna and Saloni, and I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves. Joanna? Hi there. My name is Joanna. I'm part of the CURT team, and I have had the diagnosis of ADHD for a long time, even back when it was ADD. So happy to be here everyone. My name is Saloni. I'm one of the licensed psychologists at the CWC, uh, which is the Counseling and Wellness Center at the UF. And professionally, I take uh, immense interest in working with ADHD, uh, both interventionally and through assessment. And I uh, live with ADHD, uh, one that was diagnosed pretty recently for me. Happy to be here too. I'm so glad to have you all here and share from your experiences and working with students and um, any of your own experiences that you're, you know, open to sharing today. I'm, I'm wondering if we, this is something that we hear so many students asking about all the time. Like, I wonder if I have ADHD. I think I might have ADHD. 
Um, we know that it's, you know, really talked about on social media right now a lot as well. And I'm wondering if we could just start off talking about like, what is ADHD? Um, go ahead. Personally, for myself, when I conceptualize, like, what is ADHD to me, it boils down to an issue with regulation, whether it's my attention, it's because it's a misnomer that I have an attention deficit. That's not the case. I have difficulty regulating my attention, um, my emotions, time, social contracts. These are things I have difficulty regulating. So that's what it feels the most like to me. Can you provide like All an example, the... Joanna? Um, okay. So for attention, considering that that's right in the name, mm-hmm. um, I can focus on many different things at once. It's not a difficulty of focusing. It's the fact that I am just focusing on so many things at the same time. Or it will flip into, I am solely focused on this one thing to the point that I don't even recognize that I'm hungry or tired or that it's 3 a.m. And I need an external factor to kind of remind me, like, hey, by the way, you should be asleep right now. And that's what they call hyperfocus, right? Yeah. Because I've heard all, I've heard that term thrown around a lot recently. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So thank you. That, that helps to understand it a little bit more in, um, in your context. Saloni, what were you going to say about ADHD? I'll build upon uh, what Joanna shared. So I'll sort of bring in what the professional community and the research have sort of uh, been able to gather about ADHD. But before we talk about what ADHD is, let's start with a, a funnel. Uh, we all, at many points in our lives, uh, struggle with being attentive, struggle with um, uh, not being able to listen, uh, struggle with not being able to keep up with everyday tasks and demands of life, uh, struggle with sort of moving on from a negative emotion because we're stuck with it because of some difficult experience or the other. Um, We all can sometimes talk a lot with our friends and sometimes we may be very quiet. Uh, But for the most part, uh, we're able to move past these struggles uh, for the most part. Uh, we're able to navigate in a way that they remain for a short-lived time and we're able to sort of go back to our, what we call, quote-unquote, an optimal level of, of everyday functioning. Now, when we talk about ADHD, the full form for which is attention, deficit, hyperactivity, disorder, and we'll, uh, Joanna and I will sort of break down these big words into sort of more understandable uh, aspects eventually. With people with ADHD, all these struggles that I just spoke about, these struggles are present every day in a persistent, pervasive form, and it, it impairs their quality of life. 
across multiple environments across multiple environments and across most life domains uh one of one of the more common myths about adhd is that it only affects academics or it only affects your ability to do assignments uh but the reality is that it affects every area of life uh because every area of life is as important as academics uh and every area of life has tasks and to-dos that you have to sort of fulfill um so the 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 struggle is more real and more hidden often than what we perceive or what we see as outsiders yeah i i think that's a really good kind of broad picture of what age what adhd looks like versus what are some just normal struggles that everyone kind of deals with um and just kind of differentiating that a little bit mm-hmm. yeah um I guess, can you talk more a little bit about, um, I'm honest here. I recognize that I have difficulty with social contracts. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is knowing when I'm not talking over somebody, right? And even in, in here, I'm noticing it for myself of, I have things I want to say and jump in. And had I not been able to do a lot of work for myself, I would be jumping in and talking over. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very common thing, especially in social situations where the talkativeness is so present. Like hyperactivity for me doesn't really present as the stereotypical kid running around the classroom, although I absolutely did that. Um, but now it, it more presents as racing thoughts, talking over people, talking before I even really think about what I'm saying, and which leads to me going, uh, 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 until I can say it. And, or even, and fidgeting and difficulty with patience is a strong one. <laughs> Joanna, you're, you're bringing some important aspects. One is that it starts in childhood. It, uh, it arises in in childhood you begin to see it then uh because it's called a neurodevelopmental uh disorder right. and again i'll talk about this pieces in a second but it starts in childhood and it evolves into adulthood also uh it's a common myth again that oh only small children run around when they have adhd but yeah. but it at least two thirds of uh, the children uh, continue to struggle with ADHD uh, in some form or manner as adults also. It looks different uh, in children and adults. Of course, as children, we don't run, as adults, we don't run around, you know, uh, because by then we've learned the rules of living in the society. Uh, So the hyperactivity, the impulsivity, the inattention, they look very different in how they sort of manifest as adults and even uh, between uh, men and women, if we uh, take those two genders. Uh, uh, But before we sort of talk about how they can look differently, like Joanna's talking about how 
she's experiencing things right now uh with regard to her ADHD let's look at sort of the broad umbrellas of what all inattention could look like Joanna put it very uh, aptly it's not that i lack attention it's that i lack enough attention for what i am needing to put attention mm-hmm. to uh because i am attending to more things than i need to and therefore i i don't know how to regulate attention towards the task that i need to now that task could be anything in a sandwich talking to a friend watching tv uh talking to somebody on the phone um what else jana what else uh, details uh making careless mistake dialing a number wrong yeah uh sending an email to the wrong person <laughs> um typos uh typos oh lord proofreading um household tasks i've seen that with um a lot of students too they've said you know they have a difficult time managing just regular household chores you know they'll start the mm-hmm. wash and then get distracted and start doing something else and forget that their clothes are in the washing machine then they have to go back and put it in the dryer and and it just kind of bounces around like that absolutely uh as an example i was leaving office a half an hour ago to come back to my house to record the podcast and i had organized everything that i needed for the podcast uh, to bring home uh, there were these two folders that i had sort of so properly organized and only because perhaps i wasn't able to pay enough attention even though i thought i was i forgot the two folders back in my office so it's it's in those everyday small moments that you struggle uh mm-hmm. and it's often that struggle that gets overlooked or sort of uh not looked at all or ignored uh or even you know even again in social situations where people perceive that I'm not listening because mm-hmm. I'm not meeting eye contact or because I'm distract uh, watching something else I'm listening to them I hear them but also am i processing what they're saying am i fully yes. present and listening mm-hmm. um or am i distracted by the 67 other thoughts that are in my head right now right i often use the metaphor of or the analogy of you know when you have too many tabs open uh yeah. on your browser one of them is playing music and i don't know which one it is <laughs> uh some other things that can uh sort of happen when we're struggling with attention maybe you know not remembering multiple steps so if somebody's reading to me a recipe of pasta i may remember the first five steps but then i may not remember the remaining because it's almost like i've um, met the the cut off of how much my brain can hold uh uh without thinking also that Oh sorry. I think I'm thinking also of another smaller or more quiet example of this mm-hmm. where it would happen. The conversation mm-hmm. that or the interaction or the activity that I would be involved with would not be mentally stimulating enough for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection on the activity or the person I'm talking to or my friends or my family, but just it's not enough for my brain and so i would have to go into the corner and read yeah and so i would carry a book with me everywhere and it's not because i don't like them i do like them 
I like being around it, but it's boring Mm -hmm. for lack of a term. And you've noticed this since you were a kid, Joanna? Yeah, I still do it. Yeah. And uh, another myth that I can talk about through here is how we think, oh, if you have ADHD, so why do you uh, play video games with so much focus? Uh, why can't you sit and study? You know, the, as if the more exciting, the more shiny things in uh, our life are definitely not our struggles. Uh, and almost as if it's a, it's a disorder of not making a choice and agency to sort of sit and study. Uh, like it's a moral failing. Like a, of- yeah, like mm-hmm. it's a moral failing. And a lot of times, uh, students that I work with, uh, you know, one of their common questions is, how am I able to read all the Harry Potter novels, but I'm unable to read this one chapter for class? And because both are sort of heavy reading, so how am I able to do one over the other? It's what Joanna said. It's what your brain finds appealing enough. It's what your brain finds not as overwhelming, not as boring, more, it's, it's, the more your brain perceives something as requiring a lot of effort or requiring too many steps or complex, difficult, the more, uh, the more somebody with ADHD and is likely to sort of avoid until it's really necessary to start doing it because it's, it's a lot of steps and a lot of struggle for somebody with ADHD to sort of get even started with a task. That makes a lot of sense too, because even in that example, I could see where the aspect of, oh, I have to read this chapter for class. That's not just reading a chapter for class because you need to do it. That's connected to thoughts of what if I don't do well? What if I don't graduate? What if I, what if, what if, what if, what if, and I'm 48 years in the future, um, excessively worrying about that Mm -hmm. instead of just focusing on the one task that is in front of me because I see all the other ones that are there and so it's easier for my brain to go ahead and say you know we're good we're good let's do something else for a bit yeah yeah and in simultaneously uh worrying about life 40 years uh later what might also happen is you might read one line 10 times and you're like, what am I reading? Like, why am I reading this one line for the last 17 minutes and I haven't been able to fathom anything? And that's where uh, all these other pieces of, you know, remembering things that we need to for a short time or being able to sort of categorize information or sort of hold information in our head, not be distracted by all other tabs, you know, that are open. All of those things come together and we struggle with this one line that we're reading. And then the brain goes like, you know what? Leave this, have fun, or do something that's not as demanding or not as, where you're not failing, uh, you know, because it's a simple task and you're failing, but but you're struggling with it. Yeah. And I'd imagine that those, the racing thoughts and that thought of failing, that kind of lends itself to some maybe poor self-image and comparing yourself oh, to yeah. others. Oh, uh, yes. So. Jenna, you can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely motivated by that. 
Um, you know, there's a reason that ADHD, there's such a high correlation uh, with anxiety and depression because the low self-esteem comes into play because like Sony said, it is a simple task and I should be able to do this and why can't I do it? And so comes the thought of I'm failing and I'm failing all the time. And it's frustrating in a way because there's really no one else to quote unquote blame other than yourself. Right. And so that, and we get trapped in that thought process Mm. and it's really hard to get out of, um, which then makes us avoid more, which feeds that cycle and we keep going. And especially also, like I mentioned before, and I've talked a bit about, you know, over talking um, or being kind of bad in social interactions, you can be viewed as, well, I was viewed as rude or bossy or spacey or lazy or um, uncaring because I would be so direct. And it's not that I didn't, I cared. It's just, I didn't know how. And that social contract took a while for me to learn. Um, And I'm still learning it today. And when you, when your peers, especially for most people who, for, well, for most ladies, if you're going to be diagnosed with ADHD, it's probably going to be in middle school when your peers' perception of you is strongest and the most important thing in your life. Everybody else is telling you you're a weirdo. Mm-hmm. One, one of the biggest impacts of ADHD that we don't talk about enough, we don't talk about uh, with as sort of weightage as we talk about other kinds of impact, academics, for example, is relationships, is uh, friendships, uh, ability to sort of sustain relationships that are fulfilling, uh, even parenting, even that relationship can be uh, impacted if you uh, have ADHD that you're either not getting enough help for or that you haven't been able to get diagnosed for um, to begin with. Um, And eventually when we talk about the gender differences in ADHD and the stereotypes that sort of come into play there, uh, we'll sort of talk about this more. Uh, But Joanna, you were talking about um, how you could, you, you came across as rude and uh, yeah. Uh, it's just a, that maybe that that will be a good segue to talk about now what the broad sort of umbrella of hyperactivity looks like mm-hmm. beyond the stereotypical image of a young boy running like an energizer bunny, uh, because mm-hmm. that's the first image we all think mm-hmm. of. Uh, but the way hyperactivity looks like is, for example, when Joanna said restlessness, fidgetiness, you know, inability to sit for longer time and whatever longer time is for a person uh, in one place, quiet minutes. Tw- <laughs> that's, that's too much. That is too much. <laughs> um, for example, in young children, you will see them mm-hmm. running around. Uh, for adults, you will see them sort of squirming in their seat or sort of really fidgeting with their hands which both Joanna and I are doing right now, as you can see. Um, Being quiet, being able to use 
not being able to use inside voices, you know, not being able to sort of modulate volume, um, talking a lot, which I'm doing right now, uh, and not just talking a lot, but also sort of finding it hard to not interrupt or not intrude, um, finding it hard to wait for your turn. Uh, so there's be much more beyond running that hyperactivity can look like. And again, different in children and adults uh, because of the, the ages. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to kind of paint that picture of all these all these different examples of what it can look like, because you're right, I think there's often a like very narrow view of what people stereotypically think of um, when it comes to ADHD. Um, and it just feels so frustrating to have to like live in this world that was not designed for you. And like, and it, then it feels like your fault that you're, you're not good enough at adapting to this world of deadlines and social interaction that looks in this exact way. Um, Mentioned deadlines. Um, There's a common joke I have with some friends when thinking about like accommodations in school, there's always been the thing of like, Oh, an extended deadline. No, don't give me an extended deadline. Give me a shorter one. If you give me an extended deadline, I'm still mm. going to do it at 2 a.m. right before it's due. <laughs> Tell me it's due like a week before it's due, and then I'll get it done with enough time to actually edit it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I definitely belong to Team Joanna when it comes to deadlines and working with them. Uh, but, but also, uh, no two people with ADHD will have the same kind of sure. struggle both people with ADHD will struggle from yes in attention, but it'll just look so differently. For example, there, there are some people who start procrastinate, 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 start until the last, start when it's the last minute. There are some people who start a month in advance uh, before the deadline, but then are unable to wrap up the details are unable to sort of finish all the pieces with all the nuances. Um, or remember because, to bring your homework to class. Yeah, exactly. Remember, exactly. So they might be good at starting the task and doing it, but forgetfulness might be a big part of uh, their struggle. I'm wondering... <clears throat> Go ahead, Chelsea. Wasn't me this time. Um, sometimes, you know, interrupting can be a struggle if everyone. <laughs> um, Zoom makes it hard too to have some of these conversations, I bet. And I bet that's hard for um, even harder when you have ADHD as we're kind of talking about the social piece of it. But I was just wondering if you could talk more. I know you mentioned the umbrella part of um the inattention and hyperactivity. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what impulsivity might look like. Do I know, do you have examples? I'm thinking, yes. Um, thinking of a very specific one for me, for impulsivity, it can be very much 
related to that distractibility, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, Olivia, I think you mentioned earlier, like students have having mentioned, like, I can't complete a chore at home. I get started on one and then I get distracted by another and I'm off. Mm-hmm. The impulsivity kind of plays plays into that for me because I'll be cleaning the kitchen and notice something that should be in my bathroom. Like, uh, for example, actually most recently, deodorant that I bought at Walgreens and left on my kitchen counter and still hadn't been put in the bathroom yet. And now I've gone upstairs, put it in the bathroom, and I see something else. And instead of saying to myself, I'll get to that later, no, do it now. And then I'll see something that needs to be in the craft room and I'll go run over there and throw it in that. And then I'm back in the kitchen and 40 minutes go by and I really haven't done anything except run around my house. Mm-hmm. Um, also impulsive buying can be a big factor in that way of, Oh, I'm having a good time with my friend and we're out. I want to pay, you know, I want to pay for their food. I'm having a good time and they're taking too long to get their wallet out, which they're not. <laughs> they're taking a very normal amount of time, but it's not two seconds. And so my brain's like, no, just go ahead and pay. And that's gotten me into trouble with my finances before or impulsive Amazon shopping. Amazon needs to leave me alone. I'm not allowed to go on there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about impulsivity with emotional reactions? Uh, So again, if we sort of look at the broad sort of definition of impulsivity in this context is it's taking any action either too quickly or without thinking enough. And that action could be something that you're doing and something that you are choosing to not do. So for example, uh, if I have something really important to do, and I say to myself, you know what, I'm just going to go take a nap. Now, I didn't think through enough uh, about the consequences of taking the nap, uh, even though I'm not doing anything that's, that's looking impulsive. But the action that I took, the choice that I made at that point, without thinking through, without sort of recognizing all the other aspects related uh, to it, that also will be an impulsive action. So anything, any action that's, like I said, taken too quickly or taken without adequate thought. Uh, so emotions are um, one of those areas where you can see impulsivity, where... Um, Rage it, quitting a conversation because it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Which can look like, throw my hands up, I'm just annoyed. I'm irritated now because my brain itches <laughs> yeah. and now I don't talk. I just storm away from those people and I've mm-hmm. damaged my friendship a bit by doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And emotions, not only of negative nature, but also positive emotions, you know, uh, for example, um, not being able to choose between two parties that you're invited to because I want to have all the fun, you know, Uh, or not being able to um, have a boundary around how much you want to hang out with 
your friend or how much you want to watch TV so you can do other things. Uh, the other uh, thing that there's, there's a very um, common metaphor that gets used for emotional uh, impulsivity in ADHD and the regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so imagine that uh, I have a cup of water and uh, Chelsea, you, and we're assuming that you don't have ADHD and you have a cup of water in it. Now, again, a myth would be that somebody with ADHD, their cup of water will be overflowing because they have too much emotion or they have sort of too much intensity. They have like over uh, amounts of the emotion. Uh, let's, let's go with frustration. Uh, that Chelsea has quote-unquote normal level of frustration, but Saloni has 12 on 10 uh, level of emotion. So obviously my cup is overflowing if we're, using that metaphor but that's the myth chelsea and i may have the same level of emotion but how we're both dealing with it how we're both uh moving on from there is what makes a key difference as well you know let's say there's a long checkout uh, line and they're frustrating long checkout lines are very frustrating now chelsea's frustration may tell her oh it's so annoying there are long this is such a long checkout line like i have so many other things to do this is going to take a lot of time now chelsea will feel frustrated but probably still check her items out and then do the next errand uh i may be equally frustrated in terms of how much my cup is full but I may be the one to say, you know what? I'm just going to quit my cart here and go home because I can't deal with this long checkout line right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's how, so at a feeling level, we may not be very different, but at an expression level or at a dealing level, we may be different. And the reality uh, is that unfortunately, ADHD is a very outsider perspective that behaviors get labeled. So mm-hmm. people per- perhaps don't know what Joanna might be thinking or feeling internally when she's uh, coming across as rude, but Joanna's rude, Joanna's uh, sassy. That's what the label for jo- Joanna uh, becomes. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very true. Because I mean, and even if it goes into further where a common frustration I have as a mental health provider and the DSM-5, is that the DSM-5 does not identify emotion regulation as mm-hmm. part of the diagnosis. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Because we can't quantify that. Mm-hmm. But it's such a huge part of ADHD. All of these parts are incredibly related to each other because mm-hmm. when I was talking about before about that feeling of like, oh, well, I feel like a failure, so I'm not going to do this. I'm going to avoid um that's also very much connected to my emotion there um that's also very much connected to rejection sensitivity where it's just i feel rejected by this task or this group of people Mm -hmm. and so before i i feel it strongly Mm -hmm. and granted it's a normal amount of of rejection to feel as lodi said it's very common but my reaction to it is the problem Mm -hmm. It's 
it's the stuckness that you feel with it even yeah. though you know i need to move on like why am i still thinking about this why am i still bo- bothered about this you know so clearly but it's almost like you're glued with it and you, you don't yeah. want to be glued with it but again a common uh, word that uh, students who i work with say it's almost like i'm stuck with it and i don't want to be stuck like i want to be unstuck mm-hmm. you know uh, and that's difficult uh i had a thought i lost it adhd in action yeah <laughs> i'm wondering <laughs> We're both wondering. It's not me. <laughs> Wait, we're both wondering about someone. Oh, I remember. <laughs> okay. I remember. Okay. 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 Uh, going back to the emotional regulation piece, which is also a very important piece of uh, ADHD struggles. Uh, one is that because it's overlooked or underlooked. Uh, or not looked in a way that it needs to be looked at uh that can sometimes uh contribute to uh the gender differences uh and how we perceive uh ADHD in boys/men and ADHD in girls/women and also uh how we understand why ADHD uh happens in people you know uh and sort of research has uh of course evolved a lot and finally they've uh established that it's um the dysfunction or difficulty or impairment or struggles with what they call executive functions uh which are a part of the brain which technically separate us from other forms of animal species so uh we'll we'll talk about those as well whenever you're ready to I was actually um going to ask you if you could start expanding on the the brain piece, the neurocognitive piece and what again what causes ADHD. That's a so- great question for research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Bye. Sorry, no, was something No. You're good, Selene. I just had to make a joke because I uh, stopped okay. myself. <laughs> so. Um, so what causes ADHD is not what we know so far. Just like any other mental health concern, there isn't a clear cause and effect. This happened and therefore that happened. That's difficult to ascertain uh, when it comes to mental health. Um, but what has been found um, as one of the occurrences one of the key occurrences in people with ADHD is uh lack of enough dopamine in the frontal lobe which is the f- the front part of the brain which is responsible for um all the higher order sort of uh skills that we have and I'll come to that in a second uh but essentially it means that the neurons or the nerve cells that exist in our brain which are sort of the messengers of all sorts of messages from the brain to the body and the body to the brain they don't touch no two neurons touch each other even though they're present in billions and billions uh, they don't touch each other so how do they pass messages they pass messages through what we call neurotransmitters 
some common ones that we all talk about and know about are serotonin, uh, dopamine, and dopamine, uh, availability of enough dopamine between the two neurons in the frontal part of the brain is what's uh, thought to be uh, one of the key contributors. Uh, dopamine is responsible for motivation or reward system, uh, sort of regulating emotions, regulating actions. So one can imagine that a lack of enough uh, of it uh, in the moment that you need uh, then contributes to uh, the the symptoms of ADHD as they manifest. Uh, Joanna, were you going to add anything before I talk about the executive functions? Nah, you good. Okay. So what are executive functions? So if you see that the name is very business-like, executive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a fairly recent uh, phrase, but uh, what are human beings able to do that we think animals aren't able to do. So human beings are able to think, human beings are able to plan their lives, human beings are able to have goals and follow them, human beings are able to prioritize, uh, they're able to remember. uh, So executive functions are, if one were to use a metaphor, are like the many CEOs uh, with their own specialties, you know? And executive functions are skills and capacities that we use in our everyday life for everything that we do from morning to night. Uh, So planning, goal setting, problem solving, thinking, thinking ahead, learning from previous experiences and sort of utilizing that knowledge. And that can something, some look, uh, as uh, simple as, oh, it was too cold in my office yesterday, so I must take a cardigan with me today because I'm adapting to the situation based on the past one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I have ADHD, I might forget, and then I might suffer the next day without a cardigan. Um, having a sense of time, you know, using time, managing time, um, monitoring oneself, one's sort of actions. Uh, knowing what to do when. And ADHD is, again, often also described as, it's not a difficulty about knowing what to do because it's not a difficulty about intelligence or capacity Mm -hmm. or capability. In fact, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of children with ADHD are actually very smart, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, when it comes to scholastic performance. But ADHD is about not being able to do what you know. So not being able to use your knowledge in the moment that you need to. Uh, um, remembering things, uh, you know, if I go to the next room with something in my mind that I need to fetch from it, I might lose my memory from here to there For in those five seconds. I'm like, what did I come to this room for? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Joanne has a lot of examples to share oh, yeah. about what did I come here for? So executive functions which we all, all human beings have. But when we're, when we're unable to um, use our executive functions uh, in a way that we need to, in a way that all other parts of our brain need 
to be uh, you know uh, to, to function in harmony to function in sort of one uh, together uh, sort of set of ways people with adhd struggle with executive functions um, uh, executive dysfunction executive functioning impairment those are words that you will see but largely challenges with uh, mm-hmm. executive functions and do you have examples yeah, no, I, I just really kind of connected there where you mentioned that a lot of a lot of people with ADHD tend to be quote unquote gifted students, right? They may they may be identified as excelling. Um, that doesn't mean they're not struggling with yeah. it, and it's a difficulty because of the outsider perspective. Oh, mm-hmm. well, they're not having problems in school, so there's something wrong. Yeah. That's, that's a big issue and it's a big concern because, yes, because they have been masking for so long and they have been pushing themselves much harder than their classmates need to. Um, and not even in a way of like to understand the material, it's to simply deal with executive dysfunction, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. That can look like, forget you know, for example, a very common one was I would t- turn in my tests so quickly. I would get through, da, 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 done, here you go. Completely forgot that there's a back side. Oh my God, Jenna, me too. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> um, or that can also look like, you know, in the test example, that can also look like going through the test really fast. Okay. Oh no, now I, I messed up. I have to do it again and again and keep overthinking it. And to the point that I have scribbled out my, my right answers and put in wrong ones. Um, and if I had just stayed with the first one, I would have been fine. Or that you've gotten stuck with one question and now- and I can't think of any other question now. I'm on that question and there's nothing else I can do about it. Yeah. Um, a lot of ADHD has been understanding that this is something that my brain does. This is something I deal with. And accepting that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Some people have different challenges. I just have this. Yeah. Um, and it's also because, like I said earlier, it a common again remark is, but you got an A plus. So how how are you saying that you didn't pay attention? Or you that you have a you- 4.0. What are you talking exactly. about? You're fine. It's behind the scenes what happens, you know? And Joanna, you're talking about how we mask, which is true. And sometimes for those who don't even know they're struggling, for some, some, for some people, they say, oh, I thought this was, my co- this was the normal way of doing it, you know? Uh, I thought it was normal I, to read a paragraph 14 times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so sort of the silence in which people suffer, you know, uh, that is, that is huge. And girls and women, especially, um, the amount of silence that they suffer in, um, historically, how we've looked at ADHD, historically, how we've treated it, um, is it's enormous and it's been sort of inordinate and we're we're just scratching the surface on how mm-hmm. adhd presents yeah. women mm-hmm. and in cisgendered women we haven't even really 
as a field, we have not gotten enough research on gender diversity in neurodiversity, right? Mm -hmm. That research, we haven't even gotten to even start to scratch the surface. For women, for cisgendered women, we're just starting to scratch the surface on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a complication. Can, well, can you talk more just about all of that? And, you know, I imagine like in childhood so much, I, you know, people get maybe screened or tested for ADHD, basically if they're being a problem or if, if they're not doing well. And I, you know, I wonder, posit that's, you know, maybe part of like what goes into like women identified people, maybe not being diagnosed or it being caught early on, um, just kind of based on generals, but if you, but yeah, if you could all talk about like how it might manifest or present differently or, um, based on what we know now. I mean, I know of friends of mine who have, you know, been misdiagnosed as bipolar, which wow. is so off the mark, but because if you think about it, the emotion regulation, the mood swings mm-hmm. are there, the impulsivity mm-hmm. is there, the uh, hyperactive, almost manic appearing episodes mm-hmm. are there. And it's very clear as to why, you know, this, these are things that happen. Um, anxiety is a big one that it gets misdiagnosed as depression too. <laughs> um, but a lot again, of Olivia, those, a lot of those diagnoses are also co-occurring with ADHD. A lot of times, yeah, with ADHD, there might also be anxiety or depression along with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As they say, ADHD never comes alone. It usually comes with uh, its siblings or half-siblings. You so, know, for a disorder that has, has made it very difficult for me to have social relationship, it sure has a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is toxic. It talks a lot, Joanna. So maybe it, it just has no friends. You know? Maybe <laughs> frenemies. It has you frenemies. Know. There we go. It it makes me funny though. It does. It makes it us makes, incredibly funny. I'm not sounding like a funny person right now, but I'm a very funny person. Thanks to thanks to my ADHD. So we hope you enjoyed part one of this podcast on the topic of ADHD. Um, Stay tuned for the second part of the ADHD podcast, where we will focus a little bit more on ways to kind of treat and manage ADHD. Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.